Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Golden Rule Revolution, where inspiration and purpose come from treating people like people and nothing less. Today, we have a great episode, one of my favorite episodes. It's also episode 60, which is one episode closer to a major milestone of 100. So we're over the halfway mark and feeling good. Thank you so much for your support. And speaking of support, our sponsor, Vider Energy Mints. These mints are amazing, okay? Two mints equals one cup of coffee. They're caffeinated energy mints. Not only do they have caffeine, but they also have B vitamins. I love these mints. I just led a men's retreat in the mountains um, through Vulnerable Heroes, and I gave every one of the guys uh, a tin of mints. They loved it. And the cool thing is, because they're a sponsor, if you go to GoViter, that's G-O-V-I-T-E-R.com, GoViter.com, and you order the mints from their website, you enter the promo code LUCAS, that's L-U-C-A-S, and get 10% off your order. My favorite, which are cinnamon and chocolate Mints are delicious along with their other flavors. So check them out at GoViter.com. All right. So the episode today, it's with a mother and daughter, Angie Lowe and Kelsey Lowe. These two are powerful entrepreneurs, business coaches, um, and I guess those those terms don't even qualify really um, the powerful people that they are. I met them through an emotional intelligence leadership training and have had the honor to um, be in relationship with them. And it was really cool to have them on the podcast. I know you will enjoy it. Without further delay, here's the episode. Well, good morning, Angie and Kelsey. Thank you so much for joining the Golden Rule Revolution. How are you both doing this morning? Doing good. We're doing happy great. To be here. Uh, I'm happy to have you here. You both are love. You're just love. That's how I, I look at you both and experience you both. Um, Angie, you and I met uh, when I went through Ascension Leadership Academy, the emotional intelligence training. You were one of the coaches. Um, and really were there for the greatest transformation, the greatest breakthrough of my life. I, I tell people if I ever had a born again experience, it was down there and yeah. um, truly changed my life. And Kelsey, you and I have always kind of like been crossing paths and like <laughs> slowly like circling each other in different areas. And now I was honored to be on your guys' show and I'm honored to have you on my show. So thank you. Thank you for having us, Lucas. We're really excited to be here. So yeah. tell, tell me, Angie, like, where did you grow up? Where's your story originate from? So um, most of my childhood, I grew up in a small town in Central California, a total ag community right at the base of the Sequoia National Park um, in Visalia, California. And uh, went to high school, you know, grammar school, junior high, always the same school, always wanted to be the the new kid, but never got to be because I was always there from kindergarten through high school. <laughs> That's awesome. 
So um, didn't really appreciate that small town uh, feel and the love you get from a small town until I traveled the world and realized what a blessing it was to live in a, mm. a small, tight-knit community. That's um, cool. That's cool. Grew up with uh, divorced parents, like, like many people in the world, and uh, you know, had to adapt to uh, you know, a, a blended family. And, uh, you know, that, that had its challenges, but overcame it. Um, in high school, I went and did a lot of traveling with Youth with a Mission. Mm. And so that was a great uh, entry into travel, into uh, cultures, um, just exploring myself and challenging myself to, you know, give back. And so that was probably the first time ever that I actually looked at life as a give back. Mm. Um, because as, you know, as a teenager, you tend to be very inward focused. Yeah. So it was the first time I ever had an experience where I was very outward focused and, uh, had to put your own needs set aside to, to help other people. So that, so it was, uh, so YWAM, right? Is that, yeah. yeah. And was Lauren Cunningham still? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's cool. Um, I started out in Hawaii and then went to Fiji. And then after that, um, went to Asia. Amazing. Amazing. Um, wh- how old were you when your parents uh, divorced? I was four. So what do you, how did that impact your growing up? And, and well, at the time, you know, it's like you just start living life. So you don't realize it until as an adult and looking back and dealing with stuff. Um, but I, I think it impacted the most because my dad, um, my dad left and not because he really wanted to, but you know, my parents got divorced and he moved away because it was just, um, him and my mom's relationship was bad. And so my dad was in and out of our life though. We were really, really close. Mm. Um, you know, I got to spend some summers with them and, you know, holiday here and there, but really my mom married somebody when I was five and you know what? It was a, it, he wasn't a great stepdad. It wasn't until he got saved he became a Christian later that he actually kind of turned around. Wow. So, um, it affected how, me. How cool that you got to see a transformation at a young age. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was, it was way different. Our relationship changed, but also YWAM helped change our relationship because it was, um, it helped me to forgive him, which wasn't for him. It was for me. Mm, yes. 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 And Kels, growing up for you, what was life like for you? Well, I just remember growing up always hearing about my parents' travels, and it was almost like Aladdin. Like, that sounds crazy to (laughs) say that out loud, because I've never actually said that. She is very Princess Jasmine-like, Angie. You're very Jasmine. I hear about my mom and dad going to Fiji and India and Nepal, and my parents leading people on tours with youth with a mission and like wow i remember this moment i remember this moment in my kitchen talking to my dad and i was like dad i'm gonna do that like i'm gonna travel i was Mm. like and i want to help people i was all but i don't want to be a missionary and he started laughing so hard he's like well you better figure that out because i can't think of anything (laughs) else and it was kind of cool because eventually um after college and after i I, I did corporate for a little bit. I did get to go travel and help people through teaching English. Mm-hmm. And so that was like this kind of, 
prophecy moment for me to be like, whoa, what I declare to happen in a way that I was able to give back to people, do it in my own way and still be able to travel. And so growing up, I, there was this part of me that felt like I, I, it was, I got, had an advantage, like in the sense of traveling, because I didn't grow up with parents that were afraid of the world. I grew up with parents that were loving and welcoming and like had a very healing perspective to the world. Even growing up, knowing that they were missionaries in another country, I never once, never once heard them talk bad about another religion in my life. Still to this day, I've never heard them talk bad about another religion. Wow. So like that was really humbling to, and I, and only like now realizing that looking back, like it wasn't like, like, like it wasn't a, an awareness thing all along. It was like later now looking back, um, they were so welcoming and loving to people. And so that definitely gave me a, I guess a transcript of how I approached life and I didn't even realize it until now being like, Oh, you mean everyone didn't grow up with like yeah. <laughs> just parents that like love the world. <laughs> and, and, and the thing is like, they were very practical. It's not like they were hippie at it by any means, like very yeah. practical parents, but their approach was, I would say their philosophy and approach was hippie, even though nothing about them is hippie, which wow. is kind of funny. Wow. That's, <laughs> That's the first time I've ever heard this. So this <laughs> is <awesome. laughs> Yeah, well, to be no, honest, cool. I haven't really like talked about this out loud before because I think I'm still now just processing everything of growing yeah. up and like being able to take myself out of it and look back. Um, but my childhood, I never grew up needing anything. Mm. Um, so I do feel very blessed about that. Like even extravagant things that I really, 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 really wanted, like my parents would find a way to like, you know, get it for me and my brother mm. and my sister. Like we grew up really really well like we had so much fun doing things and so it was like this moment of I mean and my parents they got divorced you guys got divorced three years ago yeah it was three years ago and that was really hard especially because my little sister was still in the house and like so there was this like between me my brother and my sister like wanting to be together but I wasn't I was I was about to move to Peru my brother was about my brother was still getting his degree in um, Channel Islands and so it was rough, but if anything, it did bring our family closer together. And I'm really, really grateful because my parents are still friends. Like, Amazing. I don't know anyone with divorce, 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 divorce people. Either. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So when I, when I like, uh, I'm kind of tired or, or fast or whatever, like my speech impediment from a child comes out. So yes. I used to be able to say my R. So I don't know many divorced parents that are friends. <laughs> That's beautiful. Twins. I love it. That, are I love it. <laughs> that is so good. You know, I, um, Ange, let's, first of all, thank you. Thank you both for being on the show. This is, this is the very first time I've had a, a parent and a um, child of that parent, even though obviously you're not a child anymore, Kelsey, grown adult, powerful leader. Um, but this is a really cool dynamic. And Angie, I know the, um, I mean, I don't know, I presume, but I, I, from my background, there's a lot of shame in the Christian community around divorce. So much like shaming to the point where I, I went to this one church one time, nationally known uh, pastor, and I used to lead worship at this church. I was the worship leader at college group. And he would call people up and like, quote unquote church discipline for people that got divorced and like shame them. And, and uh, this is a big nationally known guy and yada, yada. And it, 
there's so much of this terribleness, like you growing up in this world and then experiencing, you know, the separation like you did, how, how has your world shifted and how has your perspective changed? And yet you still continue to be so loving and, and yeah, I guess, you know, my divorce, um, that was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Mm. And, and there's still times where I think, Oh my God, could I have made it work? Mm. You know? And, and there's, you know, I don't know anybody that was married 28 years. that doesn't think like that. Yeah. Right. And, and you know, we were, we were always really just really different, different people. We cared so much for each other, but it just came to a point where it was like, we're, I think we're better separate. Mm. And, and there is so much shame. It's, it's awful. You know, people judge you. They think, you know, Oh, you know, of course you guys should have kept it together as a Christian. And you know what? I lost some friends over it, you know, friends that were, you know, that judged me. And and you know what? Um, I, every day it was, it was hard because Mm. as a mom, the last thing you want to do is mess up your children. I mean, as it is as parents, we know yeah. that, you know, we're messing up our parent or kids along the way because <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? It's like, I, I remember at one point when I was even in, when I was like, I don't know, 23, 24, I just barely, Oh, I just barely had Kelsey. And I thought, I wonder what I'm going to do to mess up my kids. Like my parents. Mm. Mess up and it was like this fear thing, but it was also like, Hey, this is just reality. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and so you know, I don't think I messed them up too bad. They turned out okay. But, but as getting divorced, it was literally like, am I going to really mess up my kids? Mm -hmm. And so we, when we decided to get divorced, it was like sitting at the kitchen table and saying, what are we doing? Mm -hmm. You know, we live very separate lives. And, and Kelsey's dad said, you know, I just think we should get divorced. Mm -hmm. And we, we talked it out. We made promises to each other that mm. we would never leave each other out. Mm. That when we had family events, didn't matter if we were in relationships, that we all got together, that our first, our first love is our children, and that we were always going to treat each other respectfully. And we did. I mean, my divorce cost $800 because we sat and worked it out ourselves. Wow. You know, there's, you know, I mean... It was literally like, this was my childhood best friend. Like mm-hmm. we got together at when I was 20 years old, you know, we knew each other since I was 16. Yeah. And, and so, you know, when you, I, I, it really kills me when I see people that were together for so long, do such hurtful things to each other that in the end really just hurts their children and them. It doesn't, you know, nothing feels good or right about being vindictive Mm. or, you know, hate. And so, you know, we did, we chose love and we've had many, many, many long discussions about our children, our life. You know, we both made a promise. If, (laughs) if one of us were in trouble, we'd help the other, Mm. you know, if, if when we're old and gray and one of us can't afford something, we'd, you know, we'd help you, you know what I mean? It was just like, it was very, um, it was very loving and mutual and, and so, you know, in the Christian community, you know, it's a sin to get divorced. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But guess what, folks? It's also a sin to gossip. <laughs> yep. yeah. You know? And so, 
you know, it's, it's a sin to uh, not pay for that thing at the bottom of your cart at Target and walk out. Yep. <laughs> you know, that's yep. called stealing. Yes. You know, yes. It's a, so I look at it like, you know, yes, this changed the trajectory of my life. I'm star- I started over. Mm. And so it's way different to be, you know, 48 years old and starting over. And I ended up starting over with a career. I started over with, you know, financially everything. And yeah. so, but what it did is it actually, it brought me to ALA. It, it, you know, Kelsey's the one who introduced me to Ascension Leadership Academy. And I really got to know myself in a different way. And, and what I realized is that I, I had not been living my authentic true self. I was kind of living a double life in a way where I, I felt like I had to be two different people and I didn't really like the person I was before. Mm-hmm. And so now I, I live much more intentional and I feel like honestly, my relationship with God is completely different. It's not a shameful relationship. It's a very open, loving, like, you know, how can I, how can I be of service to the world kind of a relationship? And so, Mm. you know, I I think divorce is awful and ugly and I, I wish, I wish it on nobody. Um, but if you, if, if you end up doing it, I hope that people realize that at one point you loved that person very much and, and treat them like you'd want to be treated. And, and then, you know, I don't think there's going to be as much chaos in your family. I, I find the timing of this conversation right now so beautiful and judging. You know, Jesus said, judge not lest ye be judged. And this narrative of judging, the innate desire inside mankind is to validate one's own existence against another. And so if I can judge you and shame you and keep you prisoner to what I feel myself needing to feel right, then I've not only separated us, I've not only kept you from me, but I've kept you basically in the place of death because stagnant water breeds bacteria and death. I've kept you, I, I am stifling your life and I'm also stifling mine. I really believe that when he says that, it's not that judge not lest God judge you or another judge you. It's if you judge, you actually are judging yourself by the place that you keep someone else prisoner. You keep yourself a prisoner in that place. This is the narrative that I think is so lacking. And it's so interesting right now in society where, I mean, I, I have, I'm, um, very plugged in the Jewish community and um, yeah, I came from the Christian community and um, it's interesting. And I'm just prefacing that for everyone listening as well. Uh, but this narrative, Jesus, just the name alone means salvation and Christ would people use it as like this first and last name, but that's, that is not only inaccurate, it means nothing. If you do, his name would be considered like Jesus of Nazareth to like, put context to where he's from or the family or whatever. But Christ means Messiah. And then I ask people, well, what does Messiah mean? No, I don't know. Well, Messiah means deliverer. I'm like, well, what does deliverer mean? Deliverer brings freedom. So Jesus means salvation and salvation just means not from hell, not from, not from something, but to be placed in something and to be placed in love in the father. You know, he says, I, you know, um, 
I am my father are one, he that abideth in me, and I abide in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Saying like, I am in the place of love, and love brings you freedom. But the narrative that we've used is tools and weapons to, to keep people prisoner in the name of love and freedom, in the name of goodness and truth, in the name of, and it's not just in the Christian community, it is rampant in all society right now. And it's such a beautiful story to hear your story and to see you both in the, in the same window frame right now. Like this, this is an example of love. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you. I mean, it's thank funny you. because I don't think I've put it, some of this even into words, you know, when mm. thinking about it. So mm. Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's love in progress for sure. It's everyday choosing yeah. to be the bigger person. Yeah, it's beautiful. Tell us how has your worldview shifted with growing up? Because I remember like growing up, like like you know, God, I'll I'll do anything you want, but don't make me a missionary. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, um, how has your um, perspective uh, changed and shifted and grown? And how has your view of God as love and a loving God come to be? Well, I think because like even that moment in the kitchen telling my dad I didn't want to be a missionary, he didn't reject or shame me for that. And I think that that was a crucial moment for him to kind of laugh and be like, all right, you know, figure it out. Um, sparked curiosity instead of shame and mm. in, in wanting to do something that helps people, but not necessarily the same way him and my mom did it. Um, mm. And so I would say the way that the world, because of having the example that the world is not a bad, scary place, yes. because I think, I, I mean, even growing up, the only person that watched the news was my grandfather. And it was kind of a joke in the family, like him and his Fox News. And so I never even put it as something real. You know what yeah, I mean? I yeah. just thought, oh, that's something weird grandpa watches. Yeah, you know? his friend Bill O'Reilly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but really, but really. Oh, totally, totally. <laughs> and so um, totally. I think because of that, each time I did try, I mean, when I first went to travel and like take that big leap of like literally moving to another country, it was not from a place of, Oh, I'm so excited. I'm going to go travel. Mm. It actually was from a place of, I am terrified of where I'm at and mm. traveling seems way less scary than staying in my present reality. I was in a job that I felt like I was literally losing my soul to because I did not know how to say no. Mm. They'd ask me to stay. I'd say yes. I was like the youngest manager by like 10 years. And I think subconsciously I felt like I wasn't worthy of being there. So I would push extra to prove that I'm good enough to be there. But the thing that I was doing it at the expense of my health, I was losing my hair. I was so stressed mm. out. I was not fun to be around because all I knew how to do was complain because I had no like release. I didn't know how to like calm my mind and leave work. I was at work 24 seven, even if like physically I wasn't there. Um, 
And I just remember this moment looking around, hearing the other managers talk about their mortgages and their kids and their crazy car payments. And it was this moment of like, I don't have any of those things. What am I doing? Like I was in, I, I all of a sudden found myself in a relationship too, where I was kind of doing the same thing I was doing at work, trying to prove that I was worthy of being there. I'm so sorry. Hold on just a second. There's like the lawn guy and it's going to get really loud for just a second. Sorry. It's okay. Let the lawn guy do his lawn thing. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> it's not that bad. I can't, it's, I can't hear. Okay, good. Okay. Well, really? Yeah. Okay. It's loud here. Okay. Well, I'll just keep going. So like, yeah. I found myself in a relationship that I wasn't proud of, that I felt like I was hiding from like I remember my my mom even like standing up to my my quote-unquote boyfriend because he was trying to tell me that I was being too loud at the table he, like, she laughed too loud and I'm like really and I, you don't know my family we laugh loud Get, wow. you know this is yeah and I remember I did and she, he was like you're too loud and then my mom replied double the volume in this beautiful Italian restaurant she was like actually I couldn't hear her and I realized I was like oh my gosh my mom is standing up to me. Mm. My mo my family should, I'm not, and it was kind of this aha moment of I am, I'm brainwashed. I'm not in a healthy relationship. If my family feels yeah. the need to stand up to me, yeah. why have I not felt the need to stand up for me? So it was this moment of like, something mm. has to change. And that's when my grandma passed away. And that mm. was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back kind of a thing of like, my relationship sucks. My, my career is sucking the life out of me. And I just got reminded that I'm going to die one day. And so all those things come together. I was like, I'm putting a plan together. I started researching online how to travel and make money. And mm -hmm. teaching English kept coming up. And I remember being told like in high school, like, oh, you can only teach English in China. And I took that as truth. And I believed that for so long. So I never thought teaching English was an option because I believed one person's limiting belief about something. Wow. And so... Then eventually one thing led to another. I talked on the phone with this guy from this one company and like told him I want Spanish and I want tropical. And six months later, I had quit my job. I had saved up money because at that time in my life, six months was like plenty amount of time to save money because I had no time to even spend it. All I was doing was working. Yeah, so, it was yeah, like, yeah. It, so when I finally did move, like I moved to Costa Rica, I felt like I refound myself. And I had to like learn how to do certain things. I had to learn how to be me. I had to learn how to be confident again, which was so strange because from the outside looking in, all people saw was like, oh, you, you and this beautiful boyfriend, you and this like amazing corporate job. But inside, it, nothing around me was reflecting like my true spirit and my true soul, That's especially right. not from a, a self-loving place. And here, here is something that I want everyone to, that's listening to understand. What someone's willing to show you in public is a percent of what they are willing to do in private. What someone is willing to show in public is a percent, a 1%, 2% of what they are willing to do in private. And over time, these, these little road signs, Abraham Lincoln, I was talking to a buddy last night. Abraham Lincoln said something that I think it's the hardest to, for me, I have to remind myself of this every day because it's very hard for me to have it internally. I wish it was more internal. He said, when someone shows you who they are, believe them. 
<laughs> it's incredibly difficult because we want to give people the benefit of the doubt. We want to, I don't want to be judging. I want to think people are good and people are good. However, the people that show you that they're good are good. The people that show you that they're controlling are controlling. The people that show you they're abusive are abusive. The people that show you anger are angry. The people, and it's okay to kind of step back from people and say, oh, I believe who you are. Mm-hmm. This is um, this is a cool podcast. I just like where I just feel, I love where this is. Um, Me too. It's so fun having like this un like not really structured plan and then having weave through like exactly what needs to come out. Yes. Yes. It's so beautiful. How, let me ask you a question. I don't know. What is your, what would be your vision for the world? Kels, if you could implement something that produced a way of being in the world, what, what would you love to see happen? I would love to see more self-love, more self-acceptance, more self-expression, because I do believe like when people are fully embodied in who they are, like, I mean, so many people, if you're listening, you know, you can think of one person that is just so them, like they are so themselves and being around those type of people is liberating for everyone else around them. Cause it's like, wow, they really don't care. They're just who they are. Like they don't care about anyone judging them. And when, when, when I'm living that way or when I see other people living that way, it gives everyone else permission. And so like my biggest vision for the world, my mission, like I feel like my life's mission is to help people learn how to love and accept themselves mm. because everything else works itself out after that. Yeah. Mm. We're all pretending so much of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of just being authentic, you know, being present in the moment, you know, it, and, and it's hard to, to be living your authentic and true self and, and accept yourself because we have that inner critic that mm-hmm. is constantly speaking lies into our ears about, you know, oh, you're not as pretty or you're not as skinny or, you know, oh, you're not as smart. You don't have that degree, so you can't go for that job. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's an internal battle and it's a self-awareness that you have to have to be able to say, hey, wait a second, I'm not going to hear that right now. Because I know who I am, and that is I am loving, I am kind, I am generous, I am, you know, worthy. Yes, yes. And knowing that sometimes living your authentic truth, not everyone's going to agree with it. Mm -hmm. And that's been one of my biggest lessons of like, sometimes you got to, taking your own path, or this has been a big thing for me is getting guidance from God of what my path is like course correcting certain things and having to have really tough conversations mm. having to, to bring things up that it's like this is not going to feel good but I know that I'm called to do it and I'm supposed to be doing it mm. or you know it being brave yes mm-hmm. yes it's so interesting and I've never shared this um but I will share it now I so when I was 20 years old I I attempted suicide and I didn't die this night. And it not just like put me on a rocket ship. I like shot out of the atmosphere as hard as I could to understand what truth was. And I was the pray around the flagpole kid. I led worship in high school at the church I went to. Um, 
I was the youth group kid, but I never fit in because I was an abuse kid also. And it just never made sense. Like I was just always kind of off and never, it never really made, I never fit in, but I was also, I always loved God. That is someone asked me, you know, when you were being abused, what was your view of God? And I, I was like, I don't know. That's a good question. So I, I can tell you that I always loved him. Always. I love God. I love God. And yet after that suicide attempt, I went, my library, I've read all Wesley's work and Finney's work and Spurgeon's work and Ravenhill and Tozer. And, and I, I, I mean, literally I started consuming, I read the Bible cover to cover seven times in 14 years, the King James Bible. I never missed a morning and night praying on my knees in 14 years. I read the Bible the morning. I read the Bible at night. I would go pray two hours a day in fields. I fasted every Monday for five years. I was like trying, striving. And I got to this place where I started praying like, God, kill me. Like something I knew inherently was still broken in me. But instead of understanding it was because I was a hurt kid that was scared. And I, I started thinking something's wrong with me. So I said, God, kill me, kill the, kill me, take it. And I thought if I could just be this ethereal clothing for the Holy Spirit, if I could just be like nothing of me. And all of a sudden like, then that was holiness that was perfection that was and i literally thought i was so close to being perfect i literally thought i was and my wife said to me um this is three years ago my life flipped and turned upside down um i think that's a line from fresh prince bel-air but i didn't mean to quote that uh, <laughs> but, um, my life turned around and i remember her telling me she said there's a there's a verse in isaiah that says our our um, righteousness is as filthy rags to God. And she said, you think in, and in your strength, uh, uh, in our weakness, we are strong. So she said, you think in your strength, you are stronger, but God can't use your strength. It's in your weakness that you are made strong by God. And I, it was really a first time I had done everything. I mean, I can give you a dissertation on, Calvinism and Armenianism and all the denominations of the world and all religions and all, I mean, I literally was consuming and consuming and consuming and consuming and consuming, trying to figure out like, what is right? How do I fix myself? And I realized I hated myself. It wasn't until a, it wasn't really till ALA. I, I hated myself. Mm. What is this? What is this? What have I come to? I don't know love. I don't know. I, I don't know goodness. I don't know truth. If truth makes us free, I'm certainly not free. No matter how much quote unquote truth I have read, I am not free. So therefore I don't know truth. What is this? It's like, didn't know love. And people used to tell me all the time, well, what about, I was just punching people. I had preached in prisons and led the largest, fastest growing young life in the history of young life. We had 150 kids coming every night. It was just massive, but I was punching their lights out. And people would say, well, what about grace? I'd be like, grace is just a reason because it made me so angry that abuse was not, it's like no one was seeing what was going on and it made me dig deeper, like trying to break the system, like to show them, like you're all wrong, but I only tried to do that in my own hurt. Mm. 
And this is such a beautiful podcast episode. And I'm so thankful. I feel like I'm in the room with you guys right now in that it's, it's not until we understand love in its purest, most simple, beautiful form. And that is to give us at all moments our best to give us at all moments our highest good, to give us our all moments, even in the pain, it's still in love. God loves us. And I guess what I'm sharing is, unless we knew the contrast, we wouldn't know love. Like yeah. the Bible doesn't start off in the beginning, there was light. And God made more light and he made more light. And there was so much light, everything melted away. Like it doesn't say that. It says in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters and God said, let there be light. And there was light. He is showing us that in the polarity, in the contrast, in the duality, in knowing one, we can know the other. It's not just knowing the one so that we don't know the other. And this is such a beautiful story. Angie, your story and Kelsey, your story, my story. It's I've seen this, like there is so much love and it doesn't, it's love. Knowing love is in the pain. Knowing love is in the, the confusion. Knowing love is in the, those broken places that we thought were not supposed to be broken, but. And sometimes you don't really feel, you don't, I mean, you're in that dark spot and you're in that pain and it doesn't feel good. You have to choose to find what's good and what's right and what's true. Mm. You have to choose that because I could be living in my story of being a divorced woman and, you know, I I lost this and I lost that and I don't have this now. And, Mm. you know, I've lost my friends and I, that could be my story. Mm. That could be my story forever, you know, and I could live there. You know, we, you know, sometimes when we talk about our pain without really focusing on your purpose from the pain, the pain is like living it all over again. That's right. It's like, you know, That's and right. then you're, you know, it's just that negative, ugly energy. And so, you know, without seeing, you know, it's, it's kind of like that, cool, you know, great. that quote. Yeah. Nothing happens to you. Everything happens for you. Right. And, you know, somebody might say, oh, but is what this happened to me, is that happening for me? You know, something horrible, yeah. you know, like yeah. being abused as a child. Absolutely. Oh, did that happen for me? Absolutely. Well, you know what? If you choose for it to be, because now you can be a vessel to help others that have been, been hurt. But it's, you know, it, and so, you, you know, we are saved by grace, right? Yes. yes. Giving yes. ourselves that grace. It's yes. giving yourself. That's good. That's good. That's good. To be, That's to good. be okay in my own skin. You know, even when, you know, I don't feel okay, but to say, I'm okay, you know, in my own skin, I'm, I, I'm good. I, I'm going to give myself grace because I didn't, you know, do everything on my list or I, I wasn't the mom I wanted to be maybe, you know what I mean? It's like, it doesn't matter how, how, it doesn't matter how great your life was. We can always find something bad. Yes. It's all dependent on where you're looking or we can find what's good. You know, I, I know, you know, I, I know a family that, 
you know, their parents got divorced or getting divorced and, and all they can focus on is everything that was bad in their childhood. Mm. And they lived this privileged life with loving parents, but they're, they're choosing to focus on the things that they, and, 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 you know, live in that spot Mm. and without seeing what was good. And so I think that, you know, the difference in, in people that do get past these pains are they, they live in a grateful place. They live in a, a graceful place. They, they give others grace and forgiveness for them, not for them, right. but, but for yourself, mm. you know, by releasing that. And so, yeah. Yeah. Cause mm. I, I, the way that through ALA was actually a, something that really helped me with the past of relationships. And I remember being able to walk away thankful for that like abusive relationship. Cause I was like, I'm so thankful that I experienced that yeah. because it showed me that I can travel. Hmm. It showed me that I, I am brave enough and like all the different things. There is always a choice to, to decide how you want to be thankful for it in hmm. one way or another. Um, but kind of how you were saying with the grace, having to start with ourselves, like that's kind of like how we are a reflection of God yeah. in the sense that yeah. forgiveness, I feel like needs to start within. Yes. I mean, that's why, that's why the, the passage through Jesus Christ is through yeah. forgiveness. Yeah. I do believe like forgiveness has to happen on multiple different dimensions and layers and mm. forgiveness is what I think is the bridge to self-love because we can't love ourselves if we're mad at ourselves. Mm. But at the same time, forgiveness is, is one of the hardest things to do because it's an inward job. It has to be a self decision and it doesn't. And this is the thing I'm, I, I will never forget this. Like it was, it was like a family conflict with like my sister and like another person. And she apologized. And the other person said, I can tell that apology isn't real. Like it was a conditional thing. And I was like, I've heard, and all of a sudden I was like, whoa, this is really common of like, they didn't say the right thing. So I'm not accepting this apology mm. and forgiveness is, doesn't involve two people. Right. It, forgiveness it, involves one, one person. hundred percent. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So there's still this like moment of good. just like, geez, you, be, before you even are in contact with another person, there's already a decision whether I'm forgiving them or not, because whenever it's conditional, that's conditional love. And that that's just right. that doesn't that's work. Which isn't love. Right? Which, isn't love. <laughs> Which isn't love. You know, it's interesting. Um, in, in Hebrew, the word for love is ahava, which means to give. Mm. Forgive is our English word of choosing for, uncondi- to give unconditionally before an act happens that it never happened wow it's not that the stain is there and it was cleaned it's that the stain was never there and jesus doesn't say i forgive you and first of all to your point no one said will you forgive us no one said that to him he said father forgive them like may they have unconditional love still like may we still have unconditional love and i love one of my one of my best friends is a rabbi and we were talking about it says, you know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the holy is understanding. It says in Proverbs and, and it says in Psalms and to fear God. And in Ecclesiastes, Solomon said at the end of Ecclesiastes, he writes this, I think the most brilliant collection of words ever put together in, in, in writing. And he's talking about, I've been rich, I've been poor, I've been this and that, I've done all these things. Like and he's, it's all vanity of vanities. Everything's vanity. Even like these words, which are beautiful in this podcast, like it's 
doesn't mean anything. No, it's, it will help someone, but it's a vanity of vanities. He said, let us hear the whole conclusion of the matter. Fear God and obey his commandments for this, the whole duty of man. Now, I always thought it's like, and then this narrative in the Christian world and then Jewish world are two different narratives, but it's like, well, it's an awe and reverence and you got to, well, then why doesn't it say give them awe and reverence? Well, it's, it's, well, why doesn't it say this? It's like all this, it's like all of a sudden confusion comes in. It's like, and it's like, wait, what's clear? This is what's clear. This is the most mind blowing thing. I was talking to my buddy about this. <laughs> Love means to give. Ahava is give. The greatest act of love I can show God is to give him my fear. Mm. This is the beginning of wisdom because I cannot receive love in places where fear resides. Yeah. And the greatest act of love we can show anyone is to receive their love because it shows us that I have no more walls up. I am completely vulnerable. You could kill me if you have the power to do so, but I receive your love. This is what the world wow. is waiting right now. Yeah, mic drop. <laughs> well, because I've never resonated with you have to fear God. No, like, you have to resonate. give him your fear because in the first commandment's to love God wow. with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. So then, what is the beginning of wisdom? Is to give him that fear in love. I give you every. I give it to you. I give you all the fear in every place. Yeah. And that's why ALA was so beautiful because it said in every corridor that you have locked shut, every door you've kept closed, every every memory that you don't want to bring to the light, that is fear trapped in there, and you have to go and 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 keep going until every door is open, exposed to the light. That's an everyday decision. Everyday decision. Because there's new things that happen. There's new triggers that happen. There's new. And yeah. that's, I love the great. Not like you ever arrive. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it's the journey. That's right. There's always more. Yeah. Oh. Wow. That is people so are incredible. How can, how can people find you both? Like, where can I direct people? Because I want everyone listening to connect with Angie and Kelsey. And you both do things separately and you do things together. Yeah. I mean, we both are very active on social media. Um, Kelsey Lowe show, Angie S. Lowe on Instagram. Uh, we also have uh, our, our business and sales coaching is called the growth coach of central California. And mm -hmm. so we do a lot of stuff with that and there's a Facebook page. Um, I can send you some links and so you can put them in the show notes. That'd be awesome. Yes, I will. I love you both. And thank you. Thank you. I thank you for loving me. You're we very love, easy to love. We love I receive so your love. I seriously, I receive your love. And Angie, thank you for standing for me. Thank you. And Kelsey, thank you for standing for your mom mm. so that yeah. she could stand for me. And we now get to stand for, for others and it's beautiful. And I just, I love you both and thank you. Mm. You're so welcome. Thank you. Thank you for, for being you and for existing and for having this amazing podcast. Oh my gosh. I feel like I just did like my morning, like devotional. On this <laughs> like literally, I just feel so filled up and such great reminders of, you know, to give because that's what love is and to give our fear away because you're right. You know, there's, there's no fear where God resides. So, that's right. So it's so powerful. Yeah. As always, my sweet friends, thank you for listening to the Golden Rule Revolution. You 
have the opportunity to make a more positive ripple effect by sharing this episode or checking out Angie and Kelsey's website or connecting with them on Instagram, on social media. And let's make a more positive ripple effect in this world. We get to be the change we want to see. And it all starts with treating people like people. Some things I'm excited to talk about uh, in upcoming episodes. I am leading men's retreats. So you can go to lucasmack.com slash retreats and find out more information there. Um, We have six spots left in the next um, group that's going through and it's incredibly powerful. You can find uh, really cool videos on that page and make sure you follow along on Instagram and Facebook and sign up for my newsletter, the Vulnerable Hero newsletter that will be coming out here very soon. There is so many amazing things in the works. The generational awakening of healing, of love, of of freedom is truly upon us and we get to step forth in our power and step forth in our love to make the world a better place. I'm honored to have you listen. My name is Lucas Mack and I will talk to you on the next episode.